You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everybody, Russ and my Hammers 11. I hope you're all safe and well. If you use the channel, please consider subscribing and hit that bell notification icon so you're made aware of any time we put new content on. Um, if you're new to the channel, we we basically put videos daily, but sometimes two, three times a day, and I wouldn't want you to miss any videos, any content, any memories. So please make sure you hit that bell notification icon. Uh, we've got some great guests coming up, uh, great players, ex-players, and great fans, including today, lifelong hammer, it's Liam. Hi, Liam. How are you doing, man? Hi, Russ. Good, thanks. How's, yeah. Uh, yeah, not bad. Thank you very much. Thank you for asking. How is lockdown treating you? Uh, not too bad. I've been working throughout it as a key worker, so I've not been too bored. Um, and uh, just had a week off with the oh. virus, so um, oh, oh. everything seems back to normal now anyway, so... <laughs> So, I, I, I know it's not it's not an accolade, but you're probably our first our first uh, person with the virus who's who's on the show. So uh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> not sure I'm uh, proud of that one. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> but obviously, you know, everything's back, and uh, you know, things are starting to seem to be uh, be sorting themselves out a little bit. So, uh, and, and West Ham continue to be West Ham, don't they? You know, crap one minute then turn up another minute and then let us down again. And then, oh, but it, it, it's a joy being a West Ham fan, isn't it? Yeah. And it's um, good to be here sat here now after the two last performances, which, you know, a week ago would have been, um, wouldn't been quite so smiley, I don't think, but uh, it's given us a lot of hope the last couple of games. It has, it has, as I said, you know, as I said on the other day, if you said we'd take six, we'd take four points out of the last two games, would have bitten your hand off this time last Definitely, week. Yeah. Um, it's just the way it's happened, isn't it? It could have been, it yeah. should have been six points, but but hey ho, he's a West Ham. You know, we've got a, uh, we've got Burnley coming up, and uh, so I reckon two more wins and we're all right. And I think, yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued how you find the difference in atmosphere to the well, two so far, mm. and then whether you'll at the ground, whether you'll find it different on Wednesday you know you've had the evening game which might be in a different atmosphere a bigger club yeah. Chelsea yeah the, it's the positivity around the place or yeah it's a, it's a weird I mean it's, I mean to be honest we don't I don't see anyone it's really weird apart from obviously the people I directly work with um you sort of you know, you know slightly 
more when I was when they, whenever I was there. You could see a bit few more people. Um, but yeah, it's a bit, it was a bit weird. Um, I think no one really knew about sort of production because obviously we were doing like a full produ- production, like we we're almost like every like sixty thousand fans in there, and um, we kept on saying, "What you know? I'll, you know, we need to put this video in. Why do we?" Put this? there's no bugger here uh and i think sort of it's 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 sort of tailed off a bit so we're, we're a bit more sort of clued up but it is weird i mean to be honest i don't i mean i i'm in a sort of a in essence sort of this sort of uh soundproof box at the top of the stadium so i never really see much of the atmosphere i could feel like you can feel it vibrating on the floor when the fans are singing um it is weird um it's weird that you can look out and you know sometimes i step out and and sort of sit on the step and and watch the game outside which is quite nice and it's very bizarre but um it, to be honest it could be it for the next obviously the rest of this season and who knows how long uh into yeah, next season yeah. yeah exactly but i mean you know it's, it is it is what it is isn't it at least there's something different to moan about um <laughs> rather than rather than the pubs not being open you know the, the pubs are open and uh and west ham are still playing so you know it, it's something for people to fans to moan about and stuff but um it, it takes your mind away from what's been happening over the last few months that's for sure um yeah. but but it is what it is and you know and, and for, for west ham and for football in general it seems they just literally pressed the pause button and 100 days unpaused it and everything stayed the same you know <laughs> so nothing's changed really much for west ham we see we keep getting people injured uh var keeps on buggering us about um well, don't and, mention that <laughs> no, exactly so it's a bad word on this channel but uh yeah, yeah it's what it is it's, it's, it's weird i mean we have to do a few extra things we we play <clears> goal <throat> we play goal music um which i've never done for over 20 seasons out uh, at west ham um so they, they play you know the premier league wants to play gold music to make it a little bit more of a an event so to speak which i, I understand uh, particularly for the players more than anything because you know you score a goal and there's there's no reaction <laughs> is there it's like you know, so what? So, um, ironically, the first time we played the goal music was obviously Suchek's disallowed goal against uh, against Chelsea. So it started off well. You know, it started off well. <laughs> but anyway, um, so, so for you, Lim, the first question I ask all fans uh, we have on the channel um, is why West Ham? Why is it your club? Because I'm not detecting like a like a Cockney twang in your accent or anything. No, I'm afraid it's uh, it's long gone. I'm afraid. Um, yeah, I was born up in the hospital. Yeah. Embarking, and then we lived in Romford, and then we moved out to Canvey, and then we made a long trip 200 miles north uh, when I was still at uh, well, the end of infant school, to be honest. Oh wow! Um, but we still got um, you know family connect. Oh, all my family's from Essex or East London, and we still got plenty of connections down there. So, and it was my uncle that took us to our first game. Yeah. Um, and then I hooked from then on, and um, so it was always West Ham was a club, was our you know family's club. Yeah. Um, and then, if anything, you know, the continuation of supporting West Ham has been like a connection with my roots, basically, you know, that's yeah, as sure. much as anything. Yeah. yeah, no, I understand that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, for, for, I mean, for a lot of people, it, is, it, is, it tends to be, which is quite nice, tends to be sort of geographical. As you said, you were born up in the Romford. I mean, I live in Hornchurch, so I know that area very well. Um, and, and, and so, but obviously, going up, going up yeah, two hundred miles. It must have been hard being a West Ham fan in an area where there probably wasn't many West Ham fans. That was very fair to say. That's true. Yeah, it was um, where I where I live now. It's um, mostly uh, I dare say it, Leeds fans, which I say that through grinded teeth. <laughs> um, and then there's also Barnsley yeah. uh, and Huddersfield. Uh, actually, where I live, it's probably the 
as a crow flies, Barnsley's the nearest team. Sure. But um, it's a kind of mixture of those three teams, basically. Yeah. Yeah, and no, I, I, I always have a... Regular Yes, exactly. I always have, a, not a soft spot for Leeds, but I always follow the... Because I, um, when I was at uni, my... Uh, yeah, yeah, so anyway, that's, right. anyway, that's a quick end to the interview. No, no, I'll tell you why. And not, not a soft spot, but I always look out for their results. In that, when I was at university, my, um, my housemates, one was a big Sheffield Wednesday fan. So that was really good, because obviously they at Sheffield United same as we do so that's all right um but the other one uh was Don Revy's grandson so yeah so we used to we used to go to watch uh you know a lot of the Leeds games and stuff so not I'm not I don't sort of say oh how have Leeds how they've won but I always you know sort of when you look down the track oh Leeds oh, you know not really sort of having associated but like, like in Orient really obviously how, how the O's do but, yeah. Oh, yeah well that's good um <laughs> very so so obviously since then since then Liam what would you say, obviously, it's been a while since you've been supporting West Ham in terms of your fan career. You know, what were your what were your sort of highlights? You know, what sort of things which stick out in your mind as being real sort of really maybe good or bad highlights? Does it really matter? But in your sort of fan career so far? Because obviously we're going to have loads more. We're going to have, you know, we're going to have Premier League wins and FA Cup wins coming up in the next sort of 10 years or so. But, you know, obviously until then. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Highlights of games where I've been at is things like the playoff final against Ipswich. Yeah. It's a game that many people talk about where the atmosphere that night was just unbelievable. When yeah. when people talk about the roof coming off, it, it did really feel like the roof was going to come off with the, the, the vibration around the ground and everything when um, when the goals went in. Yeah. Um, so, so kind of nights like that. But a, a typical of West Ham is, is um, Villa Park in the FA Cup semi-final where, I mean, who, how many fans can say a game where they've lost a semi-final 4-0 yeah. can say it be one of your favourite memories? I mean, that's... It was just the, the atmosphere on the day, the way we kept singing all that time. Um, you know, it's just special, which, it, it, you know, those are the things you remember. Yeah. And whenever, you know, other fans of other teams remember, you know, big wins or giant killing wins or whatever, and ours is a 4-0 defeat. You know, it's... Um, Crazy, or even it like is. the six 0 defeat at uh, Oldham that night. You know, there's all sorts of things going on. It, you know, the humour and um, the antics of the fans and that. It's just stuff you just don't forget. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, yeah for yeah, losing that game and then you know, them chanting, you know, for the rest of it. I mean, I'm interviewed Tony Gale, and that's something he said. He's like, he just couldn't couldn't put his head around it to be honest you know it's like and then sort of the fans getting on the pitch and stuff and we just lost 4-0 you know yeah you're, it's it, but it is the West Ham way isn't it we talk about the West Ham way but that is the West Ham way you know as I said to many many people you know we're not in it for the football um, <laughs> too bloody we're going to pick the wrong back the wrong holes there but it is about as you said that the experience the fans and obviously probably more, even more so of you you know keeping in touch with with fans and stuff, you know, even more so now, um, you know, obviously the Facebook groups and Twitters and things like that. Uh, I mean, I'm, again, I think I'm slightly biased, but I think we do it a lot more, a lot better than other clubs, if that makes sense, supporters, it seems. It does seem this sort of unity, even more so in the lockdown period, I'd say. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, and, and that's how this channel sort of has developed, really, for that exact reason. You know, people have, have suggested, you know, people have recommended, you know, getting you on and various others and, and and it's all about the sort of West Ham community and I think this channel's really sort of uh, exemplified that really um, because it is about you know it's like it's 
I might have asked, asked half a dozen people and those are those six as well. So I was six and it's just snowballed, but it's, it's really good fun. Um, so in terms of your, your Hammers 11, Liam, now as I said, we joined these Hammers 11, the only rules are you have to be alive to have seen them play, not necessarily seen them play live um, because that obviously, for people, particularly sort of the foreign Hammers as well, you know, they get to see a lot of live games, but you have to be alive to have seen them play. Um, we try and keep it to a four four two, but I'm getting soft in my old age, so things change around. I've got a few templates now, so, so I'm not so fussy about four four two. And it's your 11. So you can talk about whoever you want, whatever context, it's the people that meant something to you, positive or negative. Uh, we've had a few negative ones as well, um, but it's up to you, Liam. So that, that's sort of the mm -hmm. criteria. Um, so in terms of the, the Liam 11, uh, who would be between the sticks? Um, there's only two real candidates, and that would either be Ludo or Phil Parks. Yeah. I've gone for Phil Parks um, just because he was there the first game. Um, it wasn't actually the first game I went to see, but it was in the earlier games when I first started to go yeah. regular. Um, and uh, as I said, all my, all my family is from like East London and Essex, um, including my paternal uh, grandparents who were yeah. born at West End Park. I mean, granddad went to school uh, where he was taught by Corn Cornelius Bill, who gave us bubbles. So that's oh, a wow. bit of a, a nice connection. Um, and they, they knew some of the families around West Ham Park, which are like the Puddyfoots and the Barretts, Big Jim Barrett. Um, so that's a nice little connection there yeah. as well. Um, but my maternal uh, grandfather, he was a QPR fan. And he used to try and get us to uh, show interest in QPR, which, to be honest, to this day, I've still got a massive soft spot for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, one, I mean, he used to take us over where he was from, sort of Latimer Road, North Kensington, around there like a stone throw from Loftus Road. Yeah. But uh, one, I remember one summer he took us over to like um, a town fair. I'm sure it was um, Harlington or somewhere over that way. And Phil Parks was uh, like guest of honour doing like a penalty shootout. So we went in this big tent and met this giant of a guy dripping <laughs> with sweat, got his uh, signed photo and everything. And so I kind of, as a goalkeeper, he was probably one of the first goalkeepers I literally looked up to yeah, yeah, <laughs> as a yeah, small yeah. child. Um, so when we actually signed him, it was like a you know a, you know dream come true really to sign this goalkeeper who was challenging for or had played for England who was challenging for England, um, record signing, and he he was you know times when he looked unbeatable um, over the years, and then he was our goalkeeper in the eight five eight six season, um, just always thought it was um, he was, you know if it hadn't been for Shilton and Clements he'd have been possibly England's number one yeah yeah. Yeah, definitely. And obviously, he came for a world record signing, which was terribly unusual for West Ham, you know. Yes. Spending all that money on a goalkeeper, you know. And obviously, you know, I mean, I wasn't around to see for that signing, obviously, to see him play much at all. But, you know, it was a big deal, him signing for us. Um, particularly, you know, Man United and people like that were after him. I mean, when's, when's, the time, when's the last time that we've competed with Man United on a player? You know, in the modern day, it doesn't happen. But uh, yeah, he's a man mountain of a man, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll put uh, we'll put Parks in. Uh, let's go left back. Left back. Uh, it's got to be Julian. There's probably Frank Lampard being a club legend. Yeah, and sorry, my early days. Um, but Julian for the way I remember going to so many games in the sort of early nineties where. Mm. 
we were playing very well. Yeah. But every move seemed to stem from left back Julian. Yeah. So when you've got people saying, oh, he's a thug and you know, dirty, this, that and the other, it wasn't the, oh, yeah, yeah. of course he did yeah, create yeah, some yeah. Um, horrible moments. But all I could picture was just this guy who had a magic left foot. He could dribble, he could tackle, uh, he could shoot, obviously, penalties added to that. But he was a real playmaker. I mean, it's not often you see a fullback. Who was behind virtually every move that we created? It was, it was um, you know, pretty um, special, really. You know, and it, it, it should have played for England, and, it, and it, I don't know if those stories about his haircut and, and whatever were true, but um, you know, he was gifted enough, and he should have been really. Yeah, yeah no, totally. I, th- I think he he had the, he had the same sort of issue with Parksy as well. Obviously, he was born in a time when England's left backs they had quite a few. You had Stuart Pearce, you had Lasseau. And yeah, arguably he was better than both of them. But you know, once they were in, they were in, weren't they? And as you said, mm. an excuse to not put Julian in seemed seemed the case. But um, yeah, no, an absolute uh, uh, guy who just epitomises West Ham. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's he's like literally. Doesn't matter what generation you come from in terms of fans, um, Julian appears in their eleven. Just does, and that's that, that's fair. That that you know that, that's fair enough. You know, that makes perfect sense. I mean, I think we interviewed. Um, I think it was Mark Ward, and he basically did his eleven, which was pretty much the '86 team, but he put Julian in because he said if we had Julian Dix, we'd have won the league. Um, not if, but how many points we'd have won the league that season? Which is yeah. Um, right. Okay, but, go on. Yeah, myself and my brother used to uh, sponsor his socks for a few seasons. So, <laughs> and I've still got the socks which I sometimes wear, which uh, nice little memento to have from, <laughs> oh, I love from back that. then. Yeah. Yeah, because in the program, you had the shirt, the socks, yeah. all the sponsors, yeah. And that was, I was speaking to someone the other day, because um, obviously, yeah, you sponsor, I remember you used to sponsor the players and all that stuff. And he, and he, he sponsored the player. I think, I think he sponsored Tony Cotty and Mark Ward, um, his company. And he was like, it was a good deal. Because you got to like meet them and stuff, yeah. Because he got to meet them because he sponsored them and stuff. But yeah, um, <laughs> I just remember that. Yeah, and some were like done by companies, and some were like done by families, weren't it? So yeah, yeah. but yeah. yeah, we did um, Julian's, and then we did Peter Butler's for a couple of seasons. As well. Oh, I, love, <laughs> I love Butts. He's lo- he's such a lovely bloke. He, honestly, yeah. that, and that's I've been fortunate enough to obviously interview Peter, and I, oh, I love him. Honestly, he's such an. He still texts me as well. It's really sweet. He just say he was like, "Oh, good result today, right?" Yeah, it is Pete. Yeah, it was. Yeah, thanks, Pete. Um, <laughs> he's like my best mate now. Right, okay. So we'll put Julian on the left. Let's go the other side then, Lee, and let's go right back for the the, the yeah, uh, Two candidates. Um, it was Tim Breaker. Yeah. Or Ray Stewart. Yeah. Now Tim Breaker, I was tempted to put because um, he was all action. Mm. Um, Billy Bond's first signing, um, never stopped running, uh, uh, overlapped quite a lot, and I've been mistaken for him at games as well. <laughs> there, was, yeah, yeah. There, was, there was one game in particular where um, I think it was a final away game of the season, it was at Blackburn one year, and Tim was out injured, and there was a big group of lads in fancy dress, and um, one was absolutely convinced. I was Tim Baker, <laughs> so I just went along with him. <laughs> what could you do? That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's uh, Ray Stewart. Yeah. Um, a classic uh, John Lyle signing. Um, I think John Lyle, with his Scottish background, he, he had a good knowledge of the Scottish game. Yeah. 
we had some good contacts out there like Jim McLean, McLean at um, Dundee United. Mm. Um, so he will have been well aware of um, this young player, uh, this young right back. And, and he was just a sort of really steady, unflappable right back. Um, he, of course, had the penalties, which I would edge him against Julian in terms of um, yep. his record and method, etc. Um, and he was also versatile as well. I've seen him play at centre-half, um, fielding at left-back a couple of times, mm. and even central midfield, he did a job. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Tonka, nickname and that, you know, he got it because he, he was strong, tough, um, always reliable, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and a good player. Yeah, yeah. lovely yeah. guy as well. Um, yeah. And still comes across really well. Again, I, you know, fortunate enough. He, he's coming on the channel eventually. Um, you know, mm-hmm. he, he doesn't like, he doesn't do Zoom. We don't do Zoom. I can't do a Scottish accent, but that's basically what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, so he, uh, you know, he was kind of, I mean, he phoned me up and said, look, I'm not, I'm not ignoring you, Russ. But I don't. I hate Zoom. I hate looking at the camera, like I'm not looking at the person. And says, so "That's okay. We'll, we'll do it back." But to, I mean, he's such a lovely bloke. And literally, we must have chatted for about an hour about football afterwards. You didn't have to do that. He could just send me a text. But all that era, those guys, they just they have they're brilliant guys. They just, I'm, you know, yeah. every one of them is fantastic. But yeah, we'll put Tonker in. Good shot. Okay, let's go uh, center center off then, Liam. Who's your first center off? Uh, Alvin, Alvin Martin. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's similar to Ray Stewart in that he's adopted West Ham, if you like. He, yeah. He's someone who, like Ray Stewart, yeah. who will, is one of many players from that era who will, and even before that, who will talk about West Ham as if it's their club, yeah. even though they've got previous connections with, you know, Alvin with Liverpool or whatever. Yeah. Um, but you genuinely feel that they're almost as much of a fan as we are in oh, terms definitely. of um, uh, results and yeah. caring for the club and the, the passion for the club. Um, but Alvin, I always thought he was um, underrated in terms of his like close control, very very neat football in centre half. Sure. Who could also do the stopper job to you know superbly yeah. well as well, um, and a leader. Bearing in mind that he had. Bonzo alongside him for so long, and yet he became captain and and did the did the job you know really well. Yeah. Um, you know the length of his career at the club, yeah. uh, and, and another great guy as well. When you meet, who just will just talk all day about um, not just about his times and all his career, but he'll talk about the present day and yeah, and and, and, and you know and ask you about you as much as he wants to talk about himself, which is yeah. always good. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. There's there's a there's a few players who are yeah who are sort of these adopted cockneys, aren't they? And mm-hmm. and he said Alvin particularly. You know, I mean, he's, I mean, he still lives around the area. He's you know he still lives very close to me. Apparently, you know, he's, he's, his grandson goes to my daughter's school, and you see him at the school fair, you know, helping out and stuff. But you know, and 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 he's not from around these parts. You know what I mean? A bit like Tonka, a bit like people like James Collins and people like that. Um, oh, it's Romford now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, so I mean, it's like it's lovely, and he, as you said, such a nice guy. Again, we, he's, he's on the channel. So we're getting him on the channel soon. That's the thing; they're all bloody busy now because now football. 
they're all over the bloody place now. So you know, it's 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 um, it is what it is now. God, you know, we had no football. Now it's too much football. Now I always forget the games, don't you? I look at my phone. I go, oh god, there's been three games today. <laughs> and I was like, oh. <laughs> I was like, shit, shit. Oh, it's okay. We're doing all right. We're doing okay. We haven't played just yet, but there's so much football. It's ridiculous at the moment. Um, I'm having none. We've just got this sort of plethora of games just coming through. Right, okay. We'll put Alvin in. Who's Alvin going to partner? In the centre half positions, then Neil. Uh, that would be Slavin Bilic. Ooh, big Slav. Um, he was one of those signings when he came in and settled in straight away. Yeah, good point. Um, it was a game at Tottenham, wasn't it? Midweek, I think that was his mm. debut. Um, he just looks quality centre half. Mm. Um, and he just oozed class to me. He just um, obviously had his international pedigree with Croatia, mm. um, and what I liked about him, whether he played with um, alongside someone else, or and times when he played with three at the back, he just looked like the leader again, yeah. um, controlling everything. And he had this sly little uh, trick. I don't know if you remember it, but let's say he was getting chased down towards the corner flag, and he thought, "Oh, he's, when he's under pressure here," and he used to do this thing where he managed to <laughs> clip his own heels and go down. It looked like he'd been caught, and I just thought that was just so let's call it experience, but I just thought it was just one of those things that um wouldn't like to see against you. But when, when he was doing it for us, I thought that was really cute. Yeah. Um, but um, I must remember um, Euro 96 uh, was one of the, some of the games were at Sheffield at Hillsborough. And oh, okay. you went, yeah, okay. went along specifically to watch Denmark v Croatia. Um, you had Bilic, his centre-back partnership of Denmark against uh, Slavens Croatia yeah and it was the older red and white dynamite there was just Danes everywhere just took over Sheffield yeah and you couldn't you know, help but be impressed enough I think we managed to get a ticket off some of off a Danish guy um, <laughs> but then when we got into the ground we were right next door in amongst the Croatians there was only a few hundred bearing in mind there was I think, I think they were still at war then in you know in, in the Balkans and there was these real Tough guys with shaven heads, and um, you thought, well, you don't really want to mess around with these. No. But one, of, one of them had a, a shirt, I think it was a uh, village shirt, with, it was 28, I think his number was, Yeah. from one of the qualifiers. We got chatting, and I said, <laughs> I want that shirt. <laughs> but I don't think any money in the world would have uh, taken it off him. But taking it off him, no way. But um, it was just great to, to see. Um, it was to the, if you remember, it was a game when um, Suker, who, who eventually signed for us, chipped Schmeichel. And, it, and sort of to celebrate with the Croatian fans, it was fantastic, yeah. Oh, brilliant. And they, they just, look, I mean, you know, so they just look, those, that sort of Croatian, that kit just looked cool, didn't it? And he just yeah. like, it was so different, wasn't it? Because most yeah. kits are quite boring and plain and just one cut. It had all these, it had all the sort of checkerboard and, and you're right, it was just, um, yeah. yeah, it was just weird. But um, was, his, was his partner, was he, was he partner with Stimak in the middle, I think? Uh, Stimak at a time as well, but I think he started off with... Uh, um, Reaper, yeah, and then much, much uh, joined us later on, I believe. Yeah, yeah. but when he was at Cra- when he was with Croatia. Oh, sorry, with Croatia. Sorry, yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, but yeah, that, that was... game as well. You talking about the uh, the link, all the links with fans that have been on here that people have suggested and what have you. But um, that game, we met several other West Ham fans who've been friends ever since. So that yeah, that was a nice yeah. little. Uh, uh, memory of the day out as well because uh, Mexico people then yeah yeah I love those stories that's, that's the type yeah. of stories I love Liam is like it's not as I said this is more about a community like 
like project than it is about the football club because it is about those stories. It's about you know talking to I don't know German Holt. I always say it from Scandinavian hammers because I just find him incredible. And you know he, he travelled to bloody Stenar Bucharest on his Todd, didn't know bugger all, and by the end he'd yeah made loads of friends who he still talks to him. German is actually one of my oldest West Ham friends. Oh, believe it or not, he's, he's um, crazy. There was a game. It must have been a Sunday afternoon. We were playing. Uh, Sunderland at home, we won 6 0 yeah. in the early 90s. Yeah. And I didn't travel down um, for the Sunday lunchtime or whatever. But where we live, we could, we actually bought a special aerial to get Time T's television, <laughs> especially, especially to pick up any of the games that were on uh, oh, Time T's television that weren't on Yorkshire TV. And so I'm watching it that particular day and I saw this Norwegian flag in the west side and I thought, oh, we've got fans in Norway. And I, must, I used to get every programme or picked up the programme for the next game or whatever. Yeah. There was a little piece by German and it said, um, looking for kind of pen pals or whatever. So I got in touch with German and then we've been friends oh, ever since. Amazing. Amazing, yeah, he's a crazy man. Oh, crazy man. I love, I'd love, to, I'd love to go to his man cave. His man cave, is, no. honestly, because like we interviewed him, and then like he, he almost gave me like a guided tour for another forty minutes. Like, yeah. he's, he's like, you see this? This is this is the original West Stand seat, like the old wooden ones. I was yeah. like, how much is that? Because most people have got like, yeah, I've got one. But he's obviously had to fly it over. Like, how much must that have cost him in postage or baggage? Mm-hmm. He's like, see this behind me? This is a, a sign from the bowling. It was like a Taylor Swift. Yeah. Not Taylor Swift. Um, but, you know, Taylor, the, the brewery. Um, which some, when he was walking past, someone replaced. And, you know, oh, I have that. So he's, oh, I think he's great. I love, I love yeah. him. I've seen his previous bar, but not in his new place. But uh, I look forward to seeing that one day. Yeah, incredible man. Right, okay. Um, that's your that's your back five. Let's go into midfield then, Liam. Who we got? Uh, left back, uh, left midfield rather, left midfield. Yeah, there was um, one dilemma with uh, changing it to accommodate someone. So I've, I've juggled around a bit, um, but I think this 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 side offers more balance than the one that. Uh, um, <laughs> well, not. Well, it's debatable whether it creates more balance or not. But um, the left-hand side would be Liam Brady. Oh, nice, yeah. Um, several reasons. Um, back, believe it or not, back as a, as, a, as, a, as a kid, there wasn't that many people called Liam for some reason. No, I think yeah. since then we've had... And if you say your name, you know, it. But sorry, how do you spell that? And Liam, or is it L-E? Or, you know, but Liam Brady... I used to look up to him because there wasn't that many no. Liams in the limelight over here. Um, and I just thought he was a fantastic player. You know, again, yeah. magic left foot, uh, playmaker, scored some spectacular goals, um, playmaker. Uh, so I always looked up, up to him and followed his career wherever he went. So when John Lyle signed him from Ascoli, it was like, oh, yeah, you know. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Of some of this, you know, um, really good signing. Um, albeit coming towards the end of his career, but he still did enough for us to to prove valuable. Yeah. Um, I mean, I remember one game away at Derby, scored an absolute screamer in the top corner, and I think we were right behind it. So that's a, a good memory. Um, and who can forget his final game against Wolves and what a way to sign off a career by scoring yeah, yeah, yeah. a spectacular goal and right in the top corner. And referee blew whistle, and that's it. Game, career over, game over. What a yeah. way to go! And uh, we all ran on the pitch, and uh, 
there's the sends off and the sends off, and there's that, you know, that's a yeah, yeah. tremendous way to finish your career. Yeah, exactly. No, no, yeah, that's good a, shout, great shout. Yeah, yeah. As a private, I mean, that when when you start doing these things and interviewing people, there's certain names which which you think would come up more often, and and Liam's one of those that doesn't come up very often. I'll be honest, and and I I, I just think it's, but I think obviously there's so many people i think he got a little bit lost um when people think back at, at, at the time and look at players and so you know it's always and that's what i like about his channel because like people keep like names of players come up and um who might necessarily have been in your in other people's 11s and, it, and that's that's what i enjoy about it because then i'll go back and you know obviously i've, I've looked at liam, liam brady's goals and stuff at west ham but other players as well come up and go oh never knew about duh, 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 duh. or I, i'd heard about him but not in this context and uh you know it's almost like uh it's almost like it's quite cathartic it's almost like you know homework for me really which is quite nice um keeps me busy um i right, think he was he, he got um, a couple of bad injuries as well so yeah you know, he, that's bought his career here but um yeah. you know even even so he still did a good job yeah yeah, definitely. Okay, I'll put Liam Brady in. Let's go. Let's go the other side. Let's go right midfield. Right, Liam. Well, this is the the balance where it hasn't quite worked out, but I've had to squeeze him in ahead. He would have been on Liam Brady's side, and it's Alan Devonshire, <laughs> yeah, yeah, who who on occasion did play on the right hand side, uh, especially in the earlier days. But yeah. I think he's got enough ability, um, no question, to play anywhere and across the midfield and yeah. and, and, and make a contribution. Um, it was just the the sheer way they used to glide along the pitch, um, and players found it hard to tackle him just because he had um, this kind of uh, a balance and skill, close close control, and a, a drive and speed as well. He was um, like a little whippet, yeah, um, and obviously intelligent as well. The way he linked up with Trevor, um, kind of telepathic, really. The, the little. Um, the one twos and stuff that given goals that they used to uh, create all the time, and um, he could he could finish as well. Yeah. And I think the most impressive thing about him, uh, apart from the way that he came from non-league, which has to be one of the all-time signings for us, you know, for yeah. a few thousand pounds from staff or whatever. Um, yeah, the most impressive thing for me was the way that he adapted his game. His running style when he got that really bad injury, yeah, agreed. Um, he came back and he, he realized he couldn't do what he used to do, but he was still a fantastic player uh, yeah. when he adjusted his game. Um, look at the 85 86 yeah. uh, team, and anyone who hadn't seen him play prior to that wouldn't know that he was a slightly different type of player. No, no, to I agree, yeah, prior yeah. To that. yeah, yeah. No, I agree totally. And it's quite funny when I interviewed um, TC and Maka, um. They they both said exactly the same thing when we spoke about Dev. He told him this instruction. He was like, "Oh yeah, you know, I'll have three men on me. Just give me the ball, and then I'll run it, tuck it in behind." And both of them said exact, like literally word for word. So that's obviously what he said to everyone. And he was like, "Cheeky bug, you know, cocky right. fella." But it was it was true. And you're right. In that nowadays, you know, players don't adapt their game after they got injured. You know, obviously, you look at someone like Michael Owen. You know, after he got his hamstring problems. He didn't adapt himself, did he? So he's like, he would always get injured again. No. <clears throat> and, that, and that's really rare for someone to completely reinvent themselves, which obviously Dev did. Um, you know, nowadays, obviously, people, people once they get injured, that tends to be it for them. You know, just get a reoccurrence, like Andy Carroll and people like that, get a reoccurrence mm. of the same injury. And um, no, yeah, Dev, definitely. And, and I've had, and that, that, and again, 
because everyone speaks so highly of him, I've gone back and obviously got time now, you know, you've got time to, to watch old football, which is nice and things like that. And um, go back and seeing him pre and, and post injury. Um, two different players, really, but still incredible, absolutely incredible. In mm. I'd, um, I'd love to know if he's had any actual offers from league teams to manage because he's well respected at non league. Yeah. And you do wonder whether he's, you know, had the offers or has anyone taken a, a gamble on him or whatever because he's got the knowledge, got the experience. Mm. And it'll be interesting to see if it ever happens now. Might be too late well, now. You, but never, you never, never know. know. <laughs> you never know. I mean, you know, maybe I'll interview him one day. Very nice, <laughs> and uh, and we'll find out. <laughs> put it on the list if I interview him. Who knows? Um, right, okay. So we'll put <laughs> date pending. Right, okay. We'll put Devin. Uh, let's let's go midfield then. Then Liam, who have we got in midfield for you in central midfield? Yeah, I think every midfield needs um, a kind of a holding man, or at least yep. someone who can who can tackle or um, be the link between the defence and the midfield. And that would be Billy Bonds, who yeah. big dilemma there was whether to play him at the back alongside Alvin. Um, but I've gone for him in midfield because I just feel his all-action style, mm. uh, buccaneering spirit, um, fitness. You know, <laughs> forty-one years old when he was still playing, and he was, you know, by everyone's yeah, where everyone goes, where everyone says, all the players, and that, that he was the fittest man yeah, at the training cool. ground and, and probably on the pitch. Yeah. Um, and just a natural leader, um, off the field, very shy, mm. uh, unassuming, quiet, gentleman. Um, but on the pitch, just someone who uh, I'm sure all the players would just naturally look up to and see his uh, spirit. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and, a, and a club leader, you know, even though he came yeah. from Charlton, he's again, he's just a West Ham man from the longevity of his career. Yeah. Um, and then. Albeit probably later than it should have happened, but the yeah, name of the stand, I mean, that you could just feel the emotion and it was hard not to uh, get emotional that day because it, you could just see how much it means. It's hard it. for him because he's such a quiet, unassuming guy. Mm. He didn't want to be in the spotlight and no. that, but um, I'm glad he did. <laughs> yeah, I think everyone was, and you're yeah. totally right. He's. Um, He's a very, yeah, very, very quiet man and uh, doesn't really show any... I mean, even when we went up in 92 when he was in charge, you know, I, I see... I remember seeing Pete, I remember seeing him on the... You know, standing in the director's box and he was happy, but there was no one, you know, he wasn't like exuding emotion, you know. But, yeah, he when he, got, he, he, he almost broke down, to be honest, didn't he, when, in that one, mm. uh, at that Newcastle game. And, uh, yeah, it was very emotional. And it was nice because all the players were there as well and Alvin did the... Uh, presentation so to speak and stuff like that so you know he was he was uh yeah he's a and again you know he is for a lot of people i mean you know i i'm, I'm more in the i mean I, I never saw billy play so for me he was always as a manager but not as a player and so going back and listen to guys like yourselves talking about billy in that respect um sort of keeps that side of his career going so to speak because obviously we were recording all these for, for longevity but um yeah we'll put billy in uh, i think he's one of those players as well like Opposition fans, and we were guilty of ourselves, I think, if going back to Leeds, if you think of someone like David Batty, yeah. or, most, you know, he can't play, he just plays a little side, sideways pass, and yeah, yeah, yeah. he's a bit, bit dirty or whatever. But Vinnie Jones, another one, players like that. Um, 
or Joey Barton or whatever. But when you actually see them week in, week out, I mean, other fans must think that of like Billy Bonds or Julian. Yeah. And not realise until you see them watching week in and week out the, the, the attributes they've got, you know, the, uh, the footballing skill. And Billy could do everything, basically, yeah. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, totally agree. And I, I think, yeah, same with Julian. You know, outside of West Ham, I don't think people appreciate them as a player um, because, yeah, their reputation precedes them, doesn't it? That's, that's what happens with them, doesn't it, sometimes? Um, right, okay, put Billy in. And who's Billy going to partner in that midfield? Yeah, it'll be good. It'll be good. It's <laughs> uh, so Trevor. So clever Trevor. <laughs> um, again, as a schoolboy, uh, first idol, first real idol. And if someone who you could look up to for being our best player at the time. Yeah. Um, and then, whilst not being the biggest um, follower of the national team, seeing him play for England all mm. the time, um, you know, it put him in the spotlight and right through his career, he's always been a perfect gentleman and um, someone to look up to. Proud that he was born in the same hospital as me. So... <laughs> Something that I can uh, uh, brag about, yeah. Billy brag about. <laughs> <I was born laughs> there too. <laughs> um, but um, no, just the uh, sheer elegance, um, his ability, how he uh, two-footed. I always remember, you know, he used to talk about when he was when he was growing up, and he used to uh, practice with a tennis ball and yeah. work on his weaker foot, and that would be like one tip that everyone, uh, you know, should should um, follow. As, oh, definitely, you want to make a want to make a go of it in the game is to practice on your weaker foot with a tennis ball or whatever and then you know little tips like that um you know he's got some screamers you know with his ability um uh, intelligent guy off the field um clever trevor um and on the field as well you know with, with his link ups not just with like uh and Devonshire, um, but also that telepathic understanding with kevin keegan for england you yeah. know where yeah yeah, yeah. create goals for each other um and just like off the field, um, you know, one club man, you know, West Ham's his club. And then, he, although he's there as a, all the time, the director's box, I, I, I mean, he was, a, he was on the board at, at one point, but I feel like he, he should be used, like uh, Man United have got um, Bobby Charlton, the mm-hmm. club ambassador. Yeah. He's underused. We could, the club could use him as um, more as like an official ambassador. Yeah, yeah. Or, or actually on the board because he's got the, he's, you know, he's uh, been a director of his own business, et cetera. Um, so I think he's he, and his knowledge of um, the game, you know, with his work at the FA, mm. and and he takes a lot of credit for what he did for um, the FA setup, set you know, the training. Yeah, uh, St George's. St sorry, thanks. Um, so you know, oh, all that knowledge. Yeah, he's got so much to give, and I, I feel like it's not always used as, as well as it should be, perhaps. Mm. Yeah. yeah, no, I, I I agree. I agree totally. And I mean, yeah, he's one of those. I mean, you look when I mean, you go back, and everyone, everyone mentions you, you put Trevor in their team. They talk about you know his partnership with Keegan in England. You know that that was that, that those are the two in their prime were like you know should have been un- English should have been unstoppable really shouldn't they really those two in there. But you're right, and you know again one of the things I, I didn't I didn't appreciate as much until I started going back and looking at old footage is you know the skill of people like Trev and the skill of Brady and Devonshire and all of that on those pitches you know it's like it's not like it's like now you know he's like yeah they're good players and they, you know, they're playing on deep 
bowling greens. No, they were playing on like bogs and they were still doing mm-hmm. it and turning it on week in, week out. And um, I think that's not appreciated as much by the, the, the less experienced generation. We'll, we'll call them, yeah, generation. I think everyone thinks of the, the baseball ground as being probably the, one of the worst for yeah. being a bit of a bog. But there were so many other grounds, including our own, that was, was, was not too far off that. Yeah. And um, Trevor with his, like, with his balance, he could go either way. And yeah. he, he always let, uh, famously let the, let the ball, he always shaped so that the ball was under control before he even had to touch it, if you know what I mean. He, 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 he could wait for the ball to, he could move his body to make sure that he, he knew what was around him and he was away before other players would take one or two touches to even control it. But no, he, he had the brain to, he's doing. to do all that before he knew what he was doing there. Yeah, I think Bobby. When I knew Bobby Barnes, he was saying about. I think I think he said about Trevor. I think it's Bobby said it. He used to wear, um, despite the fact that he was on, sh- on sort of crap grounds, he used to wear rubber soles, um, boots. It's like that's mental. <laughs> you know, that's how much balance he had. Yeah. He had to wear the you know decent stuff you know, with the rubber ones, which always I used to remember. Always used to wear down after about a week, didn't they? Those rubber ones yeah. they were always really crap. Those moldings, but um, but yeah, no, absolutely mental mental in terms of what they what they did in that, that era on that on those pitches um right okay let's go up front then Liam who you got as your as your first striker uh Frank McAvenny oh um again uh John Lowe with his uh Scottish connections yeah. his own uh, personal background and um uh scouting network or contacts up there um and I always remember uh in the seasons leading up to that, he always had a used to get linked with um, link players, um, players who could play in the hole. Um, Paul Sturrock, another one from Scotland, was one that I always remember that we tried to sign a few times. And so I was kind of aware that he was always after that type of player, like an Eric Gates who played off the front men, um, who could play as a striker but um, used to drop deeper. Um, and that that was his plan for McAvenny yeah. from day one. And I remember going to his debut at uh, St Andrews, and he was played more out on um, in well, it was again it was a slightly deeper role off Goddard up front mm. and Cotty, and it was a pretty nondescript game. We lost one nil, and you could see yeah you know, he was a quite tidy player, but you know no inclination that he was going to be anything special at that sure. one game, but you couldn't really tell. And then as often happens in football whether it be someone grabbing a chance, you know, with the debut for, yeah. for injury or whatever. It was famously with Paul Goddard getting the shoulder injury, where the next game, which I remember being at, was uh, home to QPR. And um, we won uh, with uh, Mark Ward, uh, home debut, alongside Frank, home debut. And they were both outstanding. And it yeah. was like two fantastic signings. And there was this guy who... Uh, was fearless basically he ran into the channels work rate he'd run all, all over the, across the back line yeah. chasing down never get you know never give up um, but he also uh, well, I suppose he had a bit of a fiery Scott in him but he had great ability and then obviously the way he linked up with TC yeah um, was legendary um, and then it was one of those <laughs> It was always a toss-up between uh, who did you want, who would you most like to be as a t- as a teenager sure. at the time? Do you want to be Frank McAvenny with the pastry girls and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Blonde, blonde flowing locks or whatever? Uh, you're not quite blonde. <laughs> um, 
or TC, the local hero, and it was always a toss-up between, you know... Yeah, of course, yeah. Who, who would you like to be? You know, I'm sure that was um, a discussion for many fans at yeah. the time. Um, and then, similar to Liam Brady, what a way to end his career as well. I mean, again, he was blighted with injury uh, issues, but then to to go out, to come on a substitute against um, Nottingham Forest and Des Walker, and then to score a hat-trick, you know, yeah. that's um, some way to go again. <laughs> Yeah, no, and, and he's, yeah, I mean, he's just, and again, another adopted Cockney, isn't he, really? Yeah, Macquarie's, he's brilliant guy, brilliant guy. And, uh, yeah, another one I've been very fortunate to interview and uh, just such a nice bloke, honestly. We must have, we had a right giggle. It was really, you know, like, because when you interview players, I mean, I, I, I don't do this, this is not my full-time job, um, you know, so it's a bit, very daunting for me. And, um but he was just like chatting to your mate. He was like absolutely brilliant. And he just, we must have had about three or four phone calls. And every time I tried to phone him beforehand, which is checking you know, if he was all right and stuff of it, he either was on the golf course or he was just coming back from the golf course. And he's just so funny. Like such a funny, and literally, yeah, it was, it was a right giggle. And, and, and what was funny was him and he, he spoke about him and Cotty and it was the 85, 86 team. They were so confident they didn't necessarily they had they had bets between the two of them not who would score but who would score the best goal they both knew they were going to score but who's going to score mm. the better goal and um yeah incredible i mean obviously that's that side still has something like 17 club records um that season which is incredible and, and, and quite worrying now uh, considering <laughs> it's been so many years but still incredible about the the impact of that season right mac is in who's mac are going to partner who's yeah and um, several Several candidates. Um, Dave Cross is a yep. possible um, first game I ever went to was 1978. Um, first time game this season after we've been relegated. Um, Uncle Dave took, took myself and my brother Sean along, and it was that was it. I was hooked that first day. The uh, closeness of the pitch, we were right down the front of the North Bank. Yep. Um, blazing one of those summer days. You don't seem to. Get, <laughs> you always remember as you don't think that you get them nowadays. But <laughs> <laughs> the, the green was greener. The yeah. uh, the, the st- freshly painted stanchions, you know, the claret, the blue everywhere. Yeah. Um, as I say, the netting, you you touched the netting behind the goal, um, and it was a five-two win against Notts County. And uh, Dave Cross got a hat trick, so you had kind of a instant hero there, you know, yeah, number nine. Um, so I, he was a possible, but I don't think we've had much luck with strikers over the years. You know, we've had so many that promised to be. Yeah, you're right. You know, uh, a legend. Yeah. yeah. I'm thinking of I can remember uh, John Hartson where he was on fire. Yeah. And one day he must have hung around after the game, and he must have come out of a side entrance on the west side yeah. to go around to the car park, and there must have been about thirty kids all running after him. It was like the Pied Piper. Yeah. And I thought yeah. this is like. Uh, you know, superstar hero, you know. Everyone, yeah. I think he got a hat-trick that day against uh, Villa. Um, yeah. So we've had, you know, we've, we've had um, players that you think, oh, these are going to be our top yeah. striker for the next few seasons. We've had Canute, uh, Denver Barr, I, I thought he was a you know, terrific oh, striker. Was yeah, he was great. But, and then, they've always moved on for, whether it be relegation or couldn't turn down the money because we were in trouble or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, but going back to like David Cross, and I remember at the similar sort of time, we had Van der Els, who I think it was mainly family issues where the, the wives couldn't settle or whatever, wanted to move back to where they were from. So we never seemed to have much luck there. But when you've got 
um, uh, Tony Crofty, um, who was my choice. Yeah. Um, even though he went away, he, he's been there over the, you know, if you had two spells, you know, he's probably one of the longest standing strikers and he's up oh, there yeah. with all the goals. as well. And Consistent. he's, we talk about Mark Noble being Mr. West Ham, but I mean, we've got Tony who was born just around the corner from the ground. Um, I used to love his uh, stories about his scrapbooks and um, where yeah. he detail every single goal, um, which, you know, that's, it's just like the fan living out his dream, you know, which, which so true. We, we all, we all would have loved and, and he got to do it, you know, um, and score on his debut as well against uh, a certain local rival. Yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. it was yeah. made for him, wasn't it? I mean, he was proper. Yeah, yeah. He's proper Roy of the Rovers stuff, isn't he? Really, yeah. and and yeah, we've had, and I think West Ham fans really do warm themselves to a uh, a local boy done good, and and, t- and TC was, and again, yeah, Mister Stats. He's you know, I just think he's he just he's such a nice bloke. Um, and yeah, what he bought for the club was just incredible. Um, you know, and, and as you said, you know, he, two spells, you know, left and came back. And when, you know, when he when he came, you know, obviously when he left and when he returned at Everton, wasn't didn't have a great reception, you know. And but uh, things change, don't they? Things change. And I mean, I've seen I've seen John Terry being clapped and Tony Carr's testimonial when he came out in a West Ham shirt so you know stranger things have happened at sea um, uh, and yeah he was just an incredible player and you're right we haven't had that 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 partnership let alone that that single striker who's been that consistent for so many years at West Ham which is it's a shame but um, no he's just a yeah he's just a fanboy and a total fanboy to yeah. see um, and, and a lovely and, and again sort of that that sort of the the eighty five eighty six bunch, there's there's a, such a closeness within that team that they're you know they're still really great mates and it it, sh- it shows that the impacts that season not only had on West Ham but had on their career as well because they're still they still talk. To, I mean when I interview someone one of them they go oh yeah I was talking to Macca about you the other day you know just because I went to check who you were you know that type of stuff and. Um, it's lovely to hear that stuff of stuff because you assume that that football players are all mates of each other. Um, less so now because everyone moves on after a couple of years, but yeah. there you assume, and it's it's so true. They all are great mates of each other, which is lovely. Um, but yeah, no, that's and that's uh, that's completed the Liam eleven nicely. Um, Liam, it's been great chatting. Been really nice chatting to you. Uh, I've really really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for your time. I can see there's been some agonising decisions, some, <laughs> some you know cold sweats at night. You know, you know you're right. Don't 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 bother me. Don't bother me. I'm making a decision whether to put Liam Liam left or right. You know, it's like <laughs> it's been brilliant. Um, thank you so much for your time, Liam. And obviously, thank you to everyone for watching as well. Um, like, share, subscribe. You know what to do. Um, and until the next time, for me and Liam, take care, everybody. We'll see you again very very soon. See ya. Bye bye. Thank you, Ross. Bye now. Thanks. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? 
they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.